1: At LuckyLandSlots.com,
0: available to players in the U.S.
1: excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18+ Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svenson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. On this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast, I'm excited to welcome two titans of the music industry. With seven Grammy Awards, 38 number one hits, and over a million albums sold worldwide, Gloria Estefan is the most successful Latin crossover performer in the history of pop music, and she's still going strong. With a resume that includes 19 Grammy Awards, Emilio Estefan is the world-renowned music, television, and film producer, and served as the executive producer of On Your Feet, the 2015 smash Broadway musical that showcased the Estefan's incredible story. Gloria and Emilio, my friends, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I have always been impressed with your kindness, your authenticity, and your passion for important causes.
2: Thank you so much, Janet. It's a thrill to be here with you. And it's wonderful that you're doing this because, you know, to highlight philanthropy is a beautiful thing. We certainly now more than ever need as much help from everyone in the world that can be of service. And I'm thrilled to be here with you.
0: Of course. Thank you so much. I mean, we're so happy to, to be able to do this and to, to say hello to you.
1: It is so great to see you. And we've been friends for a while now. In fact, I have to share that on that crazy night when Glenn Weiss, my fiance, proposed to me on national television on the Emmy Awards, the first text message we received was from you congratulating us and inviting us to come have our wedding in Miami at your place. By the way, we're still not married, and we may take you up on that (laughs) offer.
0: yeah,
1: when it's safe to congregate again. But right now, I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, um, and I guess I want to start back at the beginning. And it seems to me, from knowing you and your family, that philanthropy is in your DNA. So I guess my first question is, how and when did you both become involved in doing charitable work? And did your childhood, did your upbringings help make you these socially responsible people that you've become? Or is it something that happened later in life?
2: Well, I'll start this. Uh, you know, Jen, I I came to be of service. That's what makes me happiest. That's when I feel most fulfilled. Uh, as a child, my dad was very ill from Agent Orange poisoning. And I was very involved helping out at the VA hospital because they were so, so short-staffed. Uh, they needed help. So every day by the, when he finally ended up having to be hospitalized because he couldn't be taken care of at home anymore, my mom and I would go every day to you know feed, shave him and whatnot. And then we would do the same for a lot of the other vets that were there that didn't have family that were there to support and love them. We got involved at that point with uh, a lot of VA charities and the nursing staff there who were phenomenal. My mom was always a person that was helping anyone that she could. My grandmother was a person that had her house constantly filled with recently arrived Cubans that couldn't afford to live somewhere she would give them a place to stay and feed them and and you know get clothes for them. So the two women that raised me, my grandmother and my mother, were incredibly uh, philanthropic women and in any way that they could because it's not like they had money. To throw around, but they put time in, they put service in and uh, they lit that spark for me. So that was very much early on. And then when we joined the band, Emilio, I know that we played many, many places that were also, um, you know, uh, charitable organizations where we would donate our time and our performances in order to help. And that just grew from there. And the more we could do, the more we did, because I think that that's our responsibility and it makes us happy.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And Emilio, I mean, some of the things that you've done, you've done so many concerts worldwide that have been fundraisers. So I think it's it's something that's just, it's, it's part of you, all right.
0: I think I, I learned that from my dad. My dad, I was a guy mm-hmm. who won the lottery 27 times. Really? And he gave all his <laughs> money away. And you know something, one thing that I learned from him Making somebody and helping somebody, it was a great reward when it comes to you to feel good. I think at night when you go to sleep, you have to feel that you, you want to make a contribution. You want to do something good for somebody else. I think we've been blessed in many, many ways. Being an immigrant that we went through such a hard time being kids, living on the homeland, and coming to a, an incredible country like the United States, we always want to give back. And tell people how much we appreciate to live in freedom how much we appreciate to have the opportunity to work and uh, i think we're blessed in many many ways and uh, it's a great feeling I, my philosophy always been making somebody else happy you get a lot happier yourself because you get a, a big reward like you yes, you're a perfect example of that because i we see you so many years how you help so many people how always willing to help and and have you even help with nurse heroes now that you always come through for not for us for so many people and you know that's what I think we bless in many in many ways
2: it is important you know Jen one of my favorite events that we do and it was our 14th year last year is feed a friend thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because mm-hmm. it doesn't entail gift giving it's sharing time with your family and being able to help out and this year unfortunately because of covid we couldn't hold the annual, uh, you know, feeding of so many different organizations. So what we did is we took money and we went to each organization that's been a part of it and provided funds for them to be able to be there for their people. And we actually did it, a lot of them, on Give Miami Day, which is a day here in Miami that if your organization is a part or linked to Give Miami, they will match whatever uh, contribution you make. So we took Full advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And we chose that day before Thanksgiving to be able to reach out and double up our efforts with all these organizations. So it really is my happiest uh, time of year. And this, the most difficult thing about this Thanksgiving was that we weren't able to do that. Uh,
1: You know, I think you bring up such an important thing, which is that people can give of their time and energy, Um, they can give money and write a check, or they can use their platform. And you've really done all of those things. And, and I think that that's important as we, you know, have this, this conversation. There are people listening that can't write a big check, you know, but you know, I, like for this past Thanksgiving, I didn't know what to do. And I usually work at a at, at a food bank or a, a soup kitchen or something. And so we just made an extra turkey and all the fixings, and we brought it down to a food bank and where they actually give it to directly to a family. And so they gave it to this family while I was still standing there, and it was so moving. And you know, there was a lot of You know, virtual hugging from across the room, and um, it was so meaningful. So I think that no matter how you do it, um, it's important, and it makes you're right, Emilio. It makes you feel really good when you give,
2: right? It really does. And I've told my kids, by the way, what you just said is so important. We don't need to look at ourselves and say, "Oh, I can't make a difference." Like to the big picture, you absolutely all you need to make a difference to is one other human being, and if everybody does that, then. People are going to be taken care of, and if you can work in your community, in your city, and your neighborhood, even those are very impactful and helpful things to be able to do.
0: You know, to me, what is amazing is about like you know the we have a career that is, is unconditional love. I mean, the fans give you everything; they buy your records, that they spend time with you when you are. And uh, when Gloria went to her accident, you know the the amount of people praying for Gloria, the people you know wishing us to come back. So I think you learn sometimes for, you know, sometimes love is probably is giving. It's not really receiving. And that's a great feeling.
1: Yeah. And your fans are amazing. I will never forget after we left the uh, Viva Broadway concert yes. and we were mobbed by your fans. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And for you it's guys, it was just another day. Um, they're we were-
2: amazing. And they're worldwide. They'll go anywhere. They they went to support us in our opening in London, fans from the U.S., fans from all over the world came to the opening on Broadway. They're incredibly supportive and loving
1: Well, it's because you're also incredibly supporting and loving, and that sort of segues to the Gloria Estefan Foundation, which I know you founded in 1997, and I wanted to talk a little bit about how that came about. Gloria, I have to tell you, you were the very last person I saw before going into lockdown in March. We had lunch together in Miami, and we were joined by the amazing Frank Amadeo, your CEO where we discussed the foundation. And you told me that your strategy for the foundation was to help organizations and individuals who fall through the cracks. So can you just talk a little bit more about that strategy and about some of the cases and people that you've helped?
2: Exactly. Look, when I had the accident in 1990 and I was able to get back out on the road and do everything, the minute I came back, uh, the original idea was to be very helpful in finding a cure for paralysis because I had been on the lucky side of paralysis. I was back out living my life, walking, being independent, but I knew firsthand about a lot of people that were with me in rehab that had the exact same injury and were in wheelchairs. So it became my goal to try to help whatever way I could, the Miami Project that had been started by an amazing family, the Buonacanis. Nick Buonacani made a promise to his son, Mark, when he broke his neck uh, at 19 years old in a football game uh, for the Citadel, where he was playing, that he would find, he would help uh, find the cure for paralysis. He enlisted Barth Green and the Miami Project was born, and the rest is history. They've made amazing strides. They've been able to um, return motor function, uh, 80% of motor function to primates that had severed cords and are now already doing human trials. They've done amazing things with this. So three of my songs, Coming Out of the Dark, Path of the Right, Love, and Always Tomorrow, all funds that I ever make from those songs go directly into the foundation. We've donated a lot of money and time as well. But that I wanted to grow that and not just focus on paralysis. So um, I try to find places that find difficulty in getting funds. For example, there was a hospital early on in the AIDS crisis, uh, the pediatric AIDS unit. They they couldn't find a way to buy a machine that they needed that was going to be incredibly helpful. I could cut a check that day and buy the machine, which I did. On a smaller level, the canine unit... At the, at the Miami Beach Police Department, they can't afford bulletproof vests for those dogs because they're so expensive and they can't take it out of the budget for humans. So I was able to cut a check and buy bulletproof vests for the entire canine unit, which saved a lot of lives. Those poor doggies that are out there doing mm-hmm. their job to help are constantly getting shot. So even on a minute thing like that, or a no kill shelter for animals. Animals are a big part of you know what I love to help. Uh, we uh, cut a check to make a dog park where people could take their dogs. We've cut checks to uh, a child that couldn't afford this specific therapy. So we were able to pay for his therapy in the foundation. Uh, a lot of people, Operation Smile, I work a lot with them to be able to operate people that can never, you know, you know, be able to afford these kinds of things. I try to help in whatever way I can. No one charges anything. Everyone works in my foundation for free. And I also don't like, I know that a lot of times the smart thing to do is get a lot of money in your foundation and then from the interest you can you know, keep it going. But I am of the thought process that I will, money comes in, I will give it out because it's necessary at that moment. And somehow someone always provides, we have an amazing, uh, the Smith family, Iris and Michael Smith are constant supporters and uh, they are always helping us out. So I know that the, I will find ways to fund my foundation But I won't hold on to the money. I really do feel that it needs to be given out when we need it and where we need it. And this year, there has been a lot of need, and we have stepped up to be able to do those kinds of things.
1: You absolutely have. Um... So speaking of philanthropy, and you earlier you mentioned your family and your children. Um, so I've had the privilege of meeting Emily. She's a chip off the old block. Yes, I guess she I say like <laughs> um, And I just wondered, like, how do you instill that philanthropic gene in your in your kids, and actually now your grandkids? Um, is that something you guys discuss and you think about together? We're gonna, you know, work on this cause, or like, how do
2: you decide what you're doing? Yes. To tell you the truth, kids will emulate what they see mm. because you can talk to them till you're blue in the face, and if they don't see you doing it, then they're not going to. So Emily grew up seeing Feed a Friend every year, either playing with her band or coming to help serve. Sasha, since he can stand up and serve, has been coming to Feed a Friend. We make it a point. His mother and my son, Naid, uh make it a point to bring him and be a part of helping people do their thing. Emily, when she was in school, would go and walk dogs at the at the dog shelter. She volunteered to help kids in the school across the street to help them to tutor them after school. She uh, organized to uh, get prom dresses for an organization for girls that can't afford to have dresses. And they get all these beautiful dresses and make them available to them to be able to wear to their proms. So it's what they see. And if you raise your kids, including them in the things that you do that are philanthropic, there's nothing else you need to do because there's nothing more than kids love them to be helpful and useful and to be of service. And that's the best way by example, in my estimation.
1: I think that's true. Emilio, Emilio you said your father was an example for you. Gloria, your mom and grandmother, the same for me. My mom and my grandmother and my dad actually too were all examples. So I think you're right. You kids learn what they live, Right.
2: Exactly. You need to step up and show them uh, different ways that they can do it and and include them. Because if you start them early on when they're little, including them in all of your own philanthropic activities, then it's going to be a natural thing for them to do.
0: And, And you know what I love that, you know, it's not it's sometimes it's easy to write a check. It's not about writing a check. It's doing things for people. Mm-hmm. sharing time with the people. And both of my kids, they always, you know, be able to do that. Uh, and I think, like Gloria said, Gloria's done a great job, you know, raising them because they are humble, they are nice, and they are, I think we're uh, we're so happy, happy to have uh, kids that are happy and they be able to help other people, absolutely.
1: So Gloria, you're now doing these, um, this show on Facebook, Red Table Talks, and you're working with your daughter. Uh, yes. And I know it's not the first time you're working with Emily and, and both of you. Are, I mean, she's such an incredible talent. It's like she got the best of both of you. She um, really is. But what's it like working on the Red Table Talks? And um, what are your, what are your, like, how do you, how do you like doing a talk show, and working with your daughter on that?
2: you know what, it's been moving. It's been inspiring. It's been difficult. It's been beautiful. It's been painful, all of the above. But again, our focus in doing Red Table Talk, my niece, my daughter, and I is to help other people because mm. and to demystify celebrity a little bit. Because, you know, it's been natural for years, especially since the golden age of Hollywood, that, uh, you know, celebrities were kind of the royalty of this country. And they're uh, you know, they were so protected and their images were so incredibly controlled because it was supposed to be what everybody should aspire to be. or what people, And we're human beings like everybody else. And you're putting out there this impossible thing to live up to from anyone because we're all just human beings. And when we got the opportunity and the invitation from Jada Pinkett Smith and Will's uh, Westbrook Entertainment and Ellen Rakatan, who has an impeccable, uh, you know, resume in this business. And we knew that if it was in their hands, it was going to be done well. I was already a fan of their show. The only purpose for us to do this show was really to be able to try to help other people by sharing our most painful moments and our most difficult moments by trying to promote communication among family and human beings uh, by sharing and putting ourselves in those difficult uh, moments. Because that's it. people are going to do what they, what they see, you know, you can, and especially now that you can't trust anything that's being told us, like mm-hmm. truth has gone by the wayside and it's been this crazy upheaval with this new technology. So we wanted to use the new technology in a way to unite mm-hmm. and to communicate and to empower and try to help. And to be able to share that with my daughter has been wonderful. I mean, I especially love when we've been able to sit at the red piano
1: Mm.
2: and share songs that have something to do with the subject matter and also use entertainment to inspire um, further than just the conversation. And I hope we get to do it more. You know, I hope that this gets picked up for more seasons. There's so many things that we want to discuss, so many important topics that couldn't get into this first season but I think that everything is timing and the last three years have been tough from the loss of my mother to my niece's divorce Emily coming out uh therapy helped us a lot and we didn't go for the show but because of the fact that we were in therapy we've been able mm-hmm. to handle the uh difficulties of this show because you do bear yourself you know naked you do to the I- world
1: when yeah. you the episode about grief, um, I have to tell you I, I I watched it and I was sitting at the kitchen table sobbing. And I realized how much I had been struggling with my own grief on multiple levels. You know, I mean, the loss of my mother, which, you know, wasn't as recent as your loss, but still, you're still processing it your whole life. And also just the grief that we're surrounded by today yes. um, and all the deaths of COVID and, and and the economic devastation that the episode about grief just really struck me and it helped me.
2: Um, it helped me cope.
1: So thank you for
2: that. I really appreciate well, that it. Well, makes, that makes me so happy. And David Kessler, who's on the show, who is literally like talking to chamomile tea. That man, (laughs) he is so soothing. He is an expert. He's Mm -hmm. the one sent out to all these difficult things. And that's what we wanted to offer people because yes, people are grieving and it's not just a death. The loss of a job, the loss of a home, the loss of your food security, the Mm -hmm. loss of being able to hug someone, the loss of, of truth, the loss of You know, stability, we have had so much loss in this year that it has been daunting for everyone. And that's one of the reasons that we're so happy to be able to
0: do this show. And I think, you know, one of the important things is is three different generations, three different opinions. I Mm. mean, being a Latino family, you know, a lot of things people don't talk about it. I think this will be a, a great example for, you know, families. You know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to discuss things. It's okay, you know, to to have different opinions, even in politics, even in in things that you believe. And I think that this will be great for a lot of people that have, like I said, three different generations with three different opinions. And I think being so close to Gloria's mom, and of course, with me and Gloria and, and Emily. It's so great that I see a lot of people, you know, even when they're posting, they say, this helped me so much. This helped me so much. Mm -hmm. And that's a great, definitely it's a great, it's a great thing. I think the show is really helping a lot of people.
1: So now I have to segue, Emilio, and I want you to start this. Let's talk about On Your Feet. Um, So where did the idea for the show come from? It ran almost two years on Broadway and then it toured throughout Europe and Japan. Um, I want to talk about some of your most memorable moments in the show. Um, And Gloria, there's a story that you told me once about, I think it was in Chicago, you were sitting in the back row and somebody was watching the show and you sort of... (laughs) (laughs) tap them on the shoulder. They were shocked that it was you. But just talk to me about the whole journey of On Your Feet. It was such an amazing Broadway show. And, um, you know, I know that I speak for, you know, millions saying I loved it so much. And I loved also, again, the way you shared your story and your intimate, you know, details of your life um, in a positive, constructive way to help others.
0: Well, many years so ago, Jimmy, G- 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 yeah, Jimmy, G- the Netherlands called me to, the, I said, I-, I want you to produce a show in Broadway. I said, listen, I don't think it's the right timing. When they came to the, we was do, planning to do something in Vegas that didn't work out. You know, something sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work. And the, uh, our friend, uh, Bernie Newman, called me and said, listen, I'm going to go and see the Netherlands. And when we came, I said, that would be perfect because we have a great energy and we have a great relation with them. They love the idea. And I said, this will be the first time, you know, sort of will be like a multi-ethnic show. We have a Latino sound and dancing. And and it's a great story. I think our lives definitely is a great story about the American dream. And uh, like, in a way, I always say, you know, it's great to inspire people. To me, that's a key element. And I think that show, uh, even when I wrote my book, you know, The Rhythm of Success, it was fantastic because, you know, in a way, I reached a, a different demographic of people and saying, mm-hmm. listen, what you did, it was so hard. And that got me going to open my business again. A lot of people, when they saw the show, they came with this uh, energy that was fantastic. And, and uh, what we saw not only here in Japan and, and all over Europe and London and everywhere, the, the show that was on it, it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling show. And uh, it makes me so happy because I think for the first time, probably eighty percent of the cast was Latinos from different mm-hmm. countries, from Argentina, from Nicaragua, from Venezuela, from Cuba, from Dominica. You know, we felt the energy uh, backstage was about telling a story about how uh, lucky we are to live in United States and how lucky we are that we have the opportunity to pre- propose a new sound, a new a new thing to, to the industry and was accepted. The same thing that happened to Broadway. When we came to Broadway, many people told me, maybe you're going to open and close in a week. It's so different. But you know something, we stayed so many years there and you know, it went global. And uh, we are so happy that the people liked it and the, and, and the support, the support of the Broadway people, including you.
2: Mm. It really was. And you know what? It was a risk too. You always take a risk whenever you do something new. Uh And again, our purpose was to try to do through the show, what our music did throughout the world, which was unite and inspire people, empower them. You know, that's why I've written songs like Get On Your Feet and Reach and Always Tomorrow, because I take that responsibility very profoundly that I have the opportunity to talk to people through my lyrics and music. And when we did the show, you know, um, I told my mom, Mom, we're going to tell the truth, because if not, it's not worth it. No mm-hmm. one had ever heard that she we'd been estranged for two years when she got upset that I took my sister on the road. And mm-hmm. she literally didn't talk to me for two years, which was easy because there weren't cell phones at the time. It was just starting mm-hmm. so she could make a point. And, you know, Alex spoke to her a long time. He fell in love with her. She fell in love with him. And uh, that's the only people know when you're telling the truth, mm-hmm. whether it be a piece of music or you know a movie. They may not point their finger at this, this or that, but they can feel when something is is honest and is true. And we did that, and we're hoping it's coming back. I already one of my fans already told me that it's back on in Austria. I think that it's back on the schedule. Uh, they're going to try to redo it again uh, and get the tour back out all over. We're writing it in Spanish. Uh, Because they wanted to do it in Spain and Mexico and Puerto Rico. I already wrote If I Never Got to Tell You the song Mm. in Spanish, which, because it's an important part of the story and it was tough, I gotta tell you, but it turned out great and I love that. So we're continuing and hoping that once, you know, theaters are back up, whichever theaters survive, hopefully. It'll be a few. I mean, we know we're going to lose some. It's just a matter of, you know, the finances of COVID and the shutdown and the difficulties. It it breaks my heart knowing that our Broadway actors and our theater actors that to me are like, to me, they've got the toughest job in entertainment Mm. to do eight shows a week, singing, dancing, acting. Nobody works as hard. Nobody, hands down, works as hard as are, you know, musical theater and theater performers. It's just a fact. And to know that they've been hit so hard, you know, because, you know, they're shut down. So we're hoping that after next year, after at least the first half of next year, because we know this will be a while, Mm. but it will come back and things will be back online. And hopefully we can go back out there and tell our story.
1: Speaking of stories, tell the story about Chicago when you were standing in the Oh my gosh, yes. I love that story.
2: You know, we we, we couldn't disrupt. They they really didn't like it when Emilio and I were in the audience that they could see us because, you know, Broadway and musical theater has to go on right on time and cannot be slowed down, especially during intermissions that people would see us. And then to get them back in their seats was impossible. So the way that we would be seeing things is we'd sneak in and come into the last row of the theater and observe everything that was happening. And then I would see these burly, big burly men crying, I mean like sobbing, tears streaming down their faces. And incredibly, obviously some would get dragged there by their wives and maybe they didn't know a lot about me. So I remember there was a guy, big guy sitting in front of me and he was bawling like a baby. And I remember he turns to his wife and he goes, oh, my God, that's so difficult, what she went through. I went, what's going to happen? Because he may not have known the whole story. So then I tapped him on the shoulder, and I go, don't worry, she makes it. <laughs> and then his wife lost it. She sees me, and she went crazy. And she goes, Gloria, oh, my God. Go, don't worry, she makes it.
1: <laughs> she definitely makes it. Um, well, my so-
2: assistant, who you, who knows I made it, would yep. cry every night She goes, I don't know why I do this. I know you're fine. You're fine. You're sitting right <laughs> next to me. Why? Why does this do this to me? And that's uh, a beautiful thing when you can move people. Because it was great
1: storytelling um, and, and great producing, Emilio. Um, okay. So back when I was working at the Broadway League, um, Gloria, you and I, uh, we worked together on a benefit concert for the Viva Broadway program, which yes, was an great. initiative that helped bring Latino and Hispanic audiences to theater and inspire professional development within the t- Latinx community. Um It was such a rewarding experience for me. And um, I just wondered what it was like for you, because you weren't in on your feet, but yet in this way, you kind of got to be part of the cast for that night. And it was so incredible. What was that experience like for you?
2: It was incredibly exciting because, I mean, I had been working with that cast for, you know, a long time in the rehearsals, but we actually got to share a stage that night. And They were incredibly excited. I was incredibly excited. The fans were beside themselves. They flew from all over because it had been a very long time since I had been out in any kind of concert or on tour. Well, I just want to also
1: add that Emily and Amelia were also on that stage.
2: Exactly, Emily came on and we sang together. I believe it was Reach that we did together. Uh, And that was another very unique thing that the fans had never seen Mm -hmm. before. So it was a night of celebration. The vibe was so beautiful and and celebratory and sharing. And the fact that this was going to help other people always adds something for me because there's nothing I love more than to do a concert that I know is going to have, you know, uh, more repercussions and just be entertaining people that happen to be there. So it was a wonderful night all around. And it was such a special moment for everybody that was in the room and uh it was wonderful i thank you for you know helping to make that happen and make it a reality and i know that the people that benefited from it were thrilled as were every single performer that was on that stage and and everybody that witnessed
1: it. It was fun and Emilio I loved seeing you perform too.
0: That's great. Emilio's <laughs> that the one
2: that sits in everywhere. Like <laughs> Emilio will sit in and he loves it. He loves to get up there and play congas and hang out and remember his days as the front man for the band there on, on congas. I love, was, I love to play. I
0: love to play. It
1: was great. Um, in 2019 you both were awarded the Library of Congress Gershwin Prize. Um, and you and Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, you got to go to the White House, I believe. And you, the other people that were, have the, received this honor have been people like Stevie Wonder and Paul Simon and Paul McCartney and Billy Joel, Carol King. What was that honor like for you? And what was that, you know, event
2: like? That honor was so incredibly special. First of all, I'm a huge Gershwin fan since I'm a kid. Remember I did the Standards record, I did a few of their songs, and I was in love with the Gershwin brothers. And, uh, you know, they actually created what is the American Standard. I mean, that was the pop music of its time, the things that they wrote for Broadway and for musical theater. One of my favorite things was when we got the private tour behind the scenes at the Library of Congress into the Gershwin room, and they let Emily play Gershwin's piano that wow. was there. So we sat in that room all alone. I was able to pour over the lyrics as a lyricist and as a writer. For me, it's incredibly interesting to see his original lyrics, things that he'd crossed out and words that he'd changed. And uh, it was just so special. And even though we lost him very young because uh, George died, I think he was like 36 Hmm. when he died. um, And he gave so much to music. And to be considered, first of all, we were the first couple that ever receives that award together and immigrants uh and it was to see so many incredible artists celebrate our music and Quincy Jones was there it was just a phenomenal night and emily performed i mean i, I didn't know because it was all a surprise they wouldn't let me see anything and the it was electric in the room when she got up there and did our songs and people were blown away it was just so special and that's that's a difficult audience you know it's a lot of our of our politicians sitting there they're jaded and (laughs) they've seen it all and to see them really moved and to see justice sotomayor Mm -hmm. uh which by the way is going to be our final show on red table talk is going to be one-on-one with justice sonia sotomayor a woman one of the most influential women of our time and needless to say the first hispanic woman on the supreme court and uh She was dancing there in the front row. And that was so exciting and wonderful to witness. And uh, it was just a night that I will never ever forget and an honor that is truly special as an artist to receive.
1: So Emilio, let's talk about Nurse Heroes because that's your most recent project. And it was phenomenal. Um, can people still see that? I mean, I've watched it twice now, but um, I know I watched it live streaming. But I think you can still watch it for a few weeks, right? And how do Absolutely. how did that, how did that come about? To... Tell us all the information.
0: Well, you know, I'm working on a project now in New York. You know, time live at Times Square, and Elio called me and said, "Listen, we have this project," and I said, "Listen, I would love to get involved because I think recognizing." especially the nurses that done so much and the doctors and everybody, you know, came through in such a hard times. And uh, I said, I don't know who will be able to get because, you know, it's so difficult now to do a production when it's people, they don't want to travel or they don't want to do it because, you know, they don't have the musicians. And I said, let me let me make a couple of calls. I mean, it was incredible to get Celine Dion, Stevie Wonder, uh, Bocelli, Josh Groban. Uh, oh, my God, so the many waiters, people. The carol king that was an uh, incredible that to have pitbull mm. maluma uh, the gypsy king i mean you name it david uh, foster david Catherine foster McKinney, yeah
2: david
0: pitbull. was amazing the, yeah. so, i mean pitbull it was amazing so you know it shows you know something when you make a call and you do it for the right purpose they all came through including you know the opening thanks to you that opening she did so adrian incredible. warren, adrian warren incredible. she was amazing and uh of course, they were... They, Leslie they were, Odom Jr. Yeah, they did you know, from the Hamilton. So the cast was amazing because, you know, we come from different parts of, the, of, of places, so different kind of music, but at the same time, we wanted to celebrate this incredible night. And, it, it, I mean, even the Presley's hit a billion point five. Imagine that now that the amount of people is recognizing and donating to help, you know, the nurses heroes. Wow. And now it's going to be a pickup on NBC, and you'll be able to see it on in, in, in Facebook, you'll Google, and you'll be able to see it. And I hope people can donate and help to be able to create a lot of scholarship for new nurses because we're going to need a lot of new nurses, especially a lot of them going to get retired now. It was a very rewarding. I, I would say it's one of my favorites. Thanksgiving was me and Gloria alone mm, watching yes. the show. I mean, uh, without the family. But, you know, go, we go back to everything that you've done and your family Don, and me and Gloria, is giving and doing something good. It's not, nothing's more rewarding, what you can do, spend Thanksgiving, like we do Feed a Friend and we feed so many families and we see the kids and we spend time with them. I think this year I felt good because, you know, it was so much work. And Frank and Elio and Mark, everybody worked so hard for this show, but it came true, it came true. I wanna thank all of you and especially all the performers and the, the, the artists that came from all over the, the, the world to, to perform, and uh, how people received this was amazing.
2: And by the way, I have to highlight my two favorite performances, although I loved everybody that was on because mm-hmm. they were incredible. But Alan Stone with my daughter, Emily Estefan,
0: yeah. was <laughs> like
2: off the chain. And <laughs> the nurses, mm-hmm. the chorus from Northwell Health that sang with Leslie Odom Jr. and did um. that song, it moved me to tears because I'm thinking, here, are these women and men, because they, you know, yep. nurses are both, and um, not only are they risking their lives for us, taking care of us, but the moving rendition they did of, you know, "Lean on Me," and was just mind-blowing to me. I, they were beautiful. They sounded incredible. It was so generous of them to give not only of their time to save us all, but of their time <laughs> to be a part of this. And it was, it was very moving to me. That and
0: so, and some of the stories, I mean, some of the story was amazing from the nurses explaining how, how hard it was for them. So I, I was- And they've uh, lost their
2: lives. They've literally yeah. given their lives yeah. to be there on the front lines of this pandemic. And, you know, so open-hearted and, and selflessly, we, we truly are blessed that there are people in the world that will do this for other people.
1: Um, they truly are heroes and so thank you for coming up with that idea and 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 producing that show and you know we are truly blessed to have you a Stefan family in our world and thank you for everything that you do this has been such an amazing chat and I am so grateful to have you in my life and I know that there are so many people in the world that feel the same way so thank you for your time today and I love you
2: both likewise Jane thank you we love you we love you you so much. much and you know break a leg i know your podcasts are amazing and i hope that we can see each other in person again I to hope. hug like that last time it was a while back but uh it will happen uh it, it will be soon it sooner will be than later it will yep. be soon
0: i going to tell you, you know you're one incredible human being that always tried to help everybody and, and you know that's it that's in a way it's an incredible feeling to tell you that we call you a closest friend because you always come through, not only for us. I see how you come through for a lot of people. So, you know, good luck with this, and it's going to be fantastic. Get ready.
1: Thank you. You guys are very sweet. I love and you. And listen,
0: all. The, the offer is still available to come marry in Miami. So get ready. <laughs> you know what?
2: <laughs> We're Vero Beach. Yeah. I have a beautiful hotel in Vero, and it's quiet and little.
0: <laughs> I will play the accordion for you. Okay. How about that? Okay. Emilio,
2: I need you to call Glenn and I need you to okay. talk to him
1: because it's been, two, it's been two years now. I like the word fiancé, but I'm getting ready for wife. So,
0: By the way, we love Glenn. Glenn is fantastic. So say hello from me. Say how much we love him, too. Will Good do. luck with this. and it's going to be great.
2: He, he asked you in front of the entire world. So there's no way that that's not happening. <laughs> All right? I'm there's ready. There's no way. I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Good
0: Thank luck. You. Thank Yo. you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. A few days after recording this podcast, Frank Amadeo, the president and CEO of Estefan Enterprises, who we talk about during the podcast, passed away. Frank was one of the best humans I ever knew, kind, intelligent, loving, and loyal. Frank will be missed by all. We send our condolences to the Estefans, to Frank's partner, Ernesto, his family, and his friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Gives Back. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, with Brittany Bigelow, and music by Eric Becker at Broderick Street Music. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, and friend, Jim Lochner, and to Katie and Yo at BPM, Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, the Charity Network, and to my fiancé, Glenn Weiss, who is always my consultant. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back.